This is Free Talk Live. And we're here taking your calls. We've actually got someone on the line that we'll go to here in just a moment. The we in studio tonight, it's Daryl. And Heather. And Chris. And you can join us, 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. And in just a few moments, Chris is going to tell us the age at which we peak at everything throughout life so if you're past any of these ages do not expect to peak at anything (laughs) apparently you're you're just done according to science but don't worry there's something that people in their 70s still peak at we'll tell you what that is in moments but first to the phones we've got sada calling in from dallas texas sada you're on free talk live go ahead with your thoughts my thoughts. Um, name is Apostle Shada Misha, M-I-S-H-E. And 15 years ago, I was visited by the angel Gabriel, who gave me the cure for AIDS. Okay. And what have you done with that cure over the last 15 years? Very good question. The first thing I did with it, because I'm also a pharmacist, was to make, to do a toxicology on it, to see if what was in it? Was there any arsenic or any heavy metals or anything? So because I was now going to give it out. First of all, I never even really believed it until I tried it a couple of months down the line. And it worked. Anyhow. How do you know that it I... worked? So you had AIDS at that point? No, I don't have AIDS. Didn't have it. But I'm a pharmacist, and I had quite a few people who had it. Okay. All right. Now, in pharmacy or medicine, when somebody gets um, when somebody gets infected by like HIV, the body produces antibodies. Therefore, for the rest of your life, you would have these antibodies. Now, I was of that thinking until um, about four years ago when the Almighty gave me a word, and it was zero reversion. I finally looked it up the following day to find that what it does, it, it reverses reverses the HIV positive to negative by knocking out all the immunity that you had to those antibodies. So are you so, mass yes. producing this cure? And no, have no. you uh, you know, tried to get this approved in Wait, any way? What is the cure? All right. What is it? It comes from a palm plant. And this was in the Florida area. And I said to the kingdom of heaven, how does it work scientifically? And they told me that in the 1920s, 30s, there was a, um, when America was doing its, its um, nuclear program, mm-hmm. what it did was to put a lot of nuclear waste into some drums, dump them in the Everglades, and from the drums has leaked out a nuclear substance. 
which has become an isotope which was taken up by the palm plant. So nuclear-infected palm trees are the cure for AIDS, you're saying? What is, what is in it, it's a combination of a uranium sulfide compound. It's not U- uranium U- sulfide, it's a uranium sulfide compound. You said uranium sulfide? Yeah. Yes. Sulfide compound. Okay. I, I researched the uranium sulfide to find that Sloan Kettering Institute in New York uses it to treat cancer. Really? Because what it does, it actually kills the cancer cells. Have they, have they, have you looked into if there's any long-term effects of like, because sometimes what might cure something might cause something else. So that's usually the term. The the long-term effect is that you only give this plant a substance for 21 days. And in it, um, the amount of radiation is, equivalent to that of one chest x-ray okay so now if somebody has aids and they take this cure do they have to continuously take it if they stop taking it is their body going to um... no once you take the ambush for 21 days 21 days it kills this is not uh one of the um so then it's like you're after the 21 days you never have to take it again and there's no um adverse side effects or it doesn't negatively affect the body by ingesting like uranium sulfite or whatever complex for 15 years i've been giving it out so i have an idea of its negativity and we have found nobody has ever come up to say this is this is what happened no negative because of the short term. It's only taking for 21 days. Hmm. Okay, well, I'm a little confused in that I'm I'm trying to imagine which pharmaceutical company or where you would actually hire or, or find uh, uranium sulfides. I mean, do you, do you... No, I didn't say uranium sulfide. He says in the palm. Complex. Okay. Okay. So what? what's the difference in layman's terms? Because we're not pharmacists. Uh, right. What's okay. the difference right. between uranium okay. sulfide and uranium sulfide complex? Big difference. Take, for instance, table salt. Table salt is sodium chloride. chloride. Sodium chloride, yes. Now, if you split the sodium from the chloride, you get a sodium metal, very highly reactive metal, very explosive. Yet, with the chloride, it's stable salt. Same thing here, isotope. Sure, but does that negate all the radiation? I mean, this is uranium sulfide in itself seems to be found in, in groundwater near uranium mines and, and things like that. So does sodium Chloride in the sodium is a um, radiate, radiative complex in the sodium. 
So are you saying that you put table salt in the uranium and then it doesn't wind no. up no, 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 uh, no, no, no. being uranium anymore? Why, why do you keep mentioning table salt? I think it's an example, Daryl. Yeah. Right, but the it's question was, what's the difference thing. between sodium floor, or uh, not sodium, uh, uranium, whatever sulfide. it was, and uranium sulfide complex? complex. And then you mentioned table salt. The complex is an isotope. It's harmless. What is mixed Just with it, though? What makes it harmless, right? So if the if right. the salt and the chloride or whatever together become harmless, what is mixed with the uranium sulfide that makes it now harmless? The other compounds that are associated with it. With oh. the palm plant thing you mentioned? It comes from the palm plant. So, okay. so what part of the palm plant then binds with the re- uranium sulfide that makes it this miraculous AIDS cure? Or, or more to the point, what part of the palm do I need to chew on to cure, cure AIDS? Yeah, what if you could take away the uh, uranium sulfide and just eat the palm plant? Would it have the same effect? No, the the, the complex is inside of the palm plant because the palm plant picks it up out of the groundwater. Uh, so it like filters it kind of like a mop crop. There you go. Ah, I gotcha. And speaking of complex, this entire thing is complex to understand. Thank you for the I call. think he definitely is well researched into it though. He sounds like he's done his homework. Yeah, I would I, definitely, I, you know, maybe look into it a little bit. I, I still want it? some kind of I evidence. I would try it. Other than somebody calling into a radio show. 855-450 free. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can call in and bring up whatever is on your mind. 855-450 free. That's 855-450-3733. But you can only call in once per night in studio. It's Daryl. And Heather. And Chris. And have you ever wanted to start your own blog or website? But I have. You've I have not too. been able to put your idea into action. You guys are in luck because HostGator, one of the top hosting companies out there, and I actually saw some web hosting awards. They, I believe, won three and came in second in three other categories. So, you know, they're a darn good hosting company, and they're offering a special deal to Free Talk Live listeners. Go to HostGator.com slash FTL, and you can get up to 50% off their regular prices. Hosting your own website or blog can be intimidating, but HostGator makes it easy. They have a simple one-click easy installation for WordPress, and they have 24 hours, seven day per week over the phone or live chat tech support, and a very intuitive and user-friendly control panel that puts the power of creation and the simplicity of use into the hands of you, the customer. HostGator has a 99.99% uptime rating, so you don't have to worry about outages. To get the special offer of up to 50% off for Free Talk Live listeners, visit HostGator.com slash FTL. Let's go to Skype, where we've got Rick calling in from Ohio. Rick, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead with your thoughts. How are you guys tonight? Good. Great. Doing well. Go ahead with your thoughts. 
I have a um, plan to run for governor next year, actually. Nice. Okay. And, and I would like to share my platform with everybody. Okay, go, go ahead, briefly. I would like to... Basically, I would like to bring principle back to the state. I feel like the federal government involves itself entirely too much with states. No argument here. Yeah. So what kind of principles do you want to bring to the people of Ohio? Well, one of the first things I want to do is I want to nullify all federal gun laws in the state. Okay. Hmm. Basically, bucking the NFA, essentially, if you know what the National Firearms Act is. Sure. And I would also like to remove uh, social security, well, not social security programs, but most of the state entitlement programs as well. And for any listeners who don't know what NFA is, it's the National Firearms Act. It was passed in 1933, if I'm not mistaken. And it is why we have a ban on machine guns. We have a ban on uh, what they call silencers, but they're not really Mm -hmm. suppressors and things like that, and a whole bunch of other things. Basically so you have gun to, mufflers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you have to pay uh, an a, a extra tax for a stamp, $200, and, before, and then wait for like six to eight months before you can even make a purchase. Mm-hmm. Yes, and another thing, another platform I'd like to have is slightly controversial. Um, I'd like to, I would like to, uh, ugh, sorry, I feel discombobulated right now. I'm very sorry. Um. And he just hung up. Well, from what I heard, I found nothing wrong with this platform. Mm. He got through, what, gun rights and uh, keep keep the feds out of Ohio. What's not to like? I'd like to keep the feds out of everything. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> including, including something you know, the, to... the vast majority of D.C. Just, you know, like, re- right. restrict them to... Did he mean by, like, ending state entitlement program? Is he just talking about, like, welfare and all that stuff? Sounds like that's where he was going, but I hate to put words in a candidate's mouth. So yeah, I hate to do that, too. Maybe we'll hear from him again. And and while he may feel that's a little controversial, I'm kind of looking around the room here going, yeah, not so controversial in this Yeah. One. What do you mean? His whole platform, he said, you know, it may be a little controversial, and I'm like... Which part of it? I, I don't think he got to the controversial part. <laughs> did he say what he was uh, going to be running as? Is controversial. It, did he yeah. say what he was going to be running as? Like, what party? No. Oh. Well, huh. No. So, Chris, apparently, you know, we know that humans peak at various things, and you've got some numbers, allegedly from science. From science, and this is from, even from the website, I effing love science, which is one of my favorite ones out there. Um, And and this is the legitimate one, not the uh, satire site, correct? That is correct. Okay. And it's based on, I guess, a couple different studies and and things like that. They sort of combined a few, but I'm just going to read the first part of the article. Then I thought maybe we could have a little fun and talk about what you guys guess what ages. So if you're looking at well, the article... Well, I've got the article in front of me. Well, then close the article, Daryl. I, I just want to see all the things that I've already peeked at. <laughs> oh, see, And then you, tell you just be why they're wrong. Okay. Aging can uh, seem like a scary prospect, but a wealth of scientific studies have found that youth isn't all it's cracked up to be. There are plenty of cases where human beings peak well into middle and old age. Teenagers, for example, 
uh, may have vitality on their side, but older people are generally more psychologically stable. And so it goes with several phenomena people experience as they age. Okay, so I don't know what old people they're dealing with. I don't know if I'd refer to you and Daryl as psychologically stable either. Hold on. I don't think I'd refer to myself as old. Thank you very much. I I, I would say that I'm probably past middle age. Uh, Oh, no, you're not. You're not. Middle age is, it gets later all the time. Right, but what's the average life expectancy? Let's discuss this a little bit. Oh, geez. Okay, yeah. So what, uh, 70, About 70, 76 for women, 78 for women? Life expectancy. And, and I mean, people today are living well into their... Men. 70 couple for men. And, and I'm mm. 39 based on my family history of uh, my paternal grandfather and his grandfather and his okay. father all dying in their early 60s like i don't have genetics necessarily on my side for some of this right but on some of this and and this is what keeps me doing all the uh, unhealthy things that i do we do have technology mm-hmm. and if we think back 20 30 years what the life expectancy was then the life expectancies were you know 68 we'll or, see that we go back further and- that's one of the huge problems with social security so when i recently worked doing like retirement planning and stuff right. back when medicare was first introduced right so uh it was, you'd retire at 65 years old go on social security you'd only live another five years <laughs> wasn't so you'd that only expensive have social right. well, security paying out for a few years but now that you have these people that you know turn 65 retire going on social security living into their 80s and 90s or 100 like yeah. that it's bankrupting the system well and i i up being a ponzi i've heard the claim that you know back in like say the 1800s life expectancy was like 35 yeah but that was, was totally f- skewed because i think the, it's a myth well it, it was an accurate number, and I'm using air quotes there because the infant mortality rate right. was really high. But if you lived through infancy, then your life expectancy was like 70. Right. I mean, it's really regressed because if you've ever read anything in the Bible, it says that people in there are like 200, 300 years, years old. old Methuselah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we'll figure out all the things that science claims I've peaked at, and I'll try to debunk all of these. Uh, and then we'll figure out, you know, what two or three things Chris has to look forward to in the coming years. This <laughs> is Free Talk Live. Thanks. 855-450-FREE. Bitcoin.com is the most unique online destination in the Bitcoin universe. Buying Bitcoin? Do it here. Want to speak your mind to other Bitcoin users? Our forum is always open and censorship free at forum.bitcoin.com. There's no bigger Bitcoin believers than the Bitcoin.com team. That's why this site is a one-stop shop for everything you need to get into Bitcoin life. You can also play games at games.bitcoin.com. Learn more at bitcoin.com. That's bitcoin.com. This is Free Talk Live. 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. And we're talking about science, allegedly. (laughs) Uh, Coming up with some numbers of the various ages at which you peak at everything. Everything. So some of these, and I, I'm not going to give the numbers away here, 
uh, but some of the things on the list, learning a new language, running a marathon, making a Nobel Prize winning discovery, math skills, understanding people's emotions, etc., etc. Uh, so, Chris, you were reading the intro yeah. to this article, and then we sort of got sidetracked trying to define middle and old age <laughs> no and uh, again i get it's, it it's important to try to you know figure out what the terms are because well everybody sort of has different definitions it, of these terms in this story it makes it a little simpler because it doesn't say you know in middle age you will become better at this it actually gives a number so based on on several studies so again we were just sort of describing what that is many of the points mark uh the middle of an age range that scientists have identified which means that they are all determined by averages some are also surveys not controlled trials so there is a possibility the self-reports don't capture the most accurate picture but in many cases the numbers keep cropping up for a reason which is that life isn't a downhill slide from youth and here is what you have to look forward to so um Learning a new language. I think this is what, it does not surprise me. Me either. The peak age for learning a new language is seven years uh, old. I, I was going to, since Heather does not have the numbers in front of her, oh, I was perfect. going to ask we'll her to guess it. some yeah. of these. Uh, and you've got a daughter that's yep. somewhere around that age. Has seven. she started learning she? a new language? Um, no, I can mean, unless she, you count like Dora the Explorer, she can she a few speak episodes. <laughs> Mandarin Chinese fluently? No, no, but I do have a nephew that, um, he'll probably end up speaking both Japanese and English because, um, my brother's wife is Japanese. Gotcha. Yeah. But I think if there's a takeaway from this one, it is that if you do have very young children, um, that they are not too young to learn different languages this right. is when the brain is most accepting of learning a right new because language. they're learning a language so it's easy easier for them to learn multiple languages absolutely mm -hmm. so i'm going to hop around here and i'm going to say uh heather what age do you think people become most happy with their own body now, I know that's a thing for a lot of people. People are insecure about with how their they look. Own bodies. What yes. age do you think they would be most happy with their own body? Hmm. So I'm gonna try, try to say, you know think out loud here. I'm gonna say like late twenties, early thirties. You would be incredibly wrong, and I would have thought the same thing too. It's actually seventy-four years old. Because at that point, you're just happy to, <laughs> to be, be alive, alive and happy. have a body. Happy. The, the heart's still beating. I'm good. <laughs> Happiness with your own body seems to peak at about 74 years old, which I thought was really surprising. Muscle strength. There's a good one. When are people, on average, the strongest? Well, let's see. Tom Brady's still the best quarterback, so... But he's uh, not he's the really. strongest so I'm gonna say, human in the world. No, I'm just saying his strength is still there, so in it's going to be... In his right arm? I'm going to say, like, 50. I'm going to say it starts falling apart around there. I, I'm liking <sighs> your answer. Better than the actual answer, which is 25 years old. No way. Yeah. 25 years old is when we peak for muscle strength. 
No. Now, now, nowadays, no, I mean, we have... Is that for the average? Sense. Is that, that for people that didn't, like, consistently use their muscles over the year? That maybe just talking like, about the human population. So, you know, as people pass the 20s, they're more likely to find themselves in a sedentary job. Right. Um, you know, most of your professional athletes... Sure. ...are going to start their professional careers... Early 20s, yeah. 21, 22, 23. In college. Uh, <laughs> Just kidding. Well, that would be like 18, 19. That's the big money. Uh, <laughs> but the professional career is going to start early 20s. Your average professional athlete plays for three years. Yeah. So, hmm. you know, we're talking about people that are, you know, like the top of the top of the top. Right. On average, see, I like maybe like starting to quit playing at twenty five. So these are all averages. These aren't including sure. yes. like the elite people in every group. Yeah, but uh, and they're there are included. And- but the person that's never gotten off the couch to do anything other than you know go get a refill of his Dr Pepper and Cheetos, right? He's also included, <laughs> right? But there are going to be people. That's how you get averages. Right. And people nowadays. I think there is a, a, the older generation is more focused on their physical health. They're going to the gym. They're exercising more probably now. Now, I I will say that for me, this is not accurate. Uh, Yeah. The the muscle strength. Right. Well, you've done an amazing job with building yourself up and and Right. I I would dare say that I am in better... Uh, fitness now than I was 20 plus years ago when I was playing football in high school. Right. Hmm. I don't doubt it. I'm in great shape. So let, let's move on to one that I plan to do either later this year or early next year, run a marathon. Oh, At what age do uh, people peak as marathon runners? Hmm. Keep in mind, I'm going to say I'm 39 years old and I will be either 39 or 40 when I run my first marathon. So the answer would be if you're Daryl, 38 or 39. I'll say 25. Better. Close. Close. 28. 28. Oh, that was going to be my first guess, but I went with the same muscle kind of thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's all right. Let's throw out a, uh, something completely dif- different. Uh, uh, arithmetic skills. How well are you math. at math? Math? Math, not meth. Math with an A. I mean, so I'm when good. Math it depends because um, I think it's more or less cognitive skills because like, I haven't like used a lot of the math skills because I don't work in a profession that re- really requires it as much. So those skills haven't necessarily stuck as well as others that I've learned over the years. So do you think they peak when you're very young, when you're I older? Think, I think it depends on how often you use those those. But there's, skills there's right a, there's and a number again, though they're using averages all right fine 30 interesting 50 30 right. is actually the peak bone mass uh names and faces and these are two different numbers okay uh remembering names and remembering faces when do people peak for each of those things? Okay, I'm going to say because around 50 for this one, because that's when my Nana started confusing all her grandchildren. <laughs> <laughs> if you For add names these, or faces? For names. I'm going to go names. She's start rattling off every Yeah, so name, she'd be like, uh, like so I have an you. Uncle Warren, and then I have my brother Ryan. So she'd always call my brother Ryan Warren and my Uncle Warren Ryan. 
So remembering names is twenty two. Remembering faces thirty two. So my nana did pretty good given the odds. <laughs> there you go. Now I've still got one year to make a Nobel Prize winning discovery. Uh because apparently the average Nobel Prize winning discovery is made when someone is forty years old. Uh salary. And the this is a different number for men and women. Right. Ooh, uh, so salary. when do men peak at salary and when do women peak at salary? I'm going to say men peak in their 30s. And women? Women, I'm going to say 40s. Uh, you've actually got those backwards. Women at 39, men at 48. Uh, one other one that I find very 39 interesting 39 is about here. 40. I just assumed it would be after kids, you know. Well, what One other number, or actually it's two numbers, one category we'll get into in a moment. Life satisfaction. There are two times hmm. when people peak for being satisfied with their life. According to science, this is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. In studio, it's Daryl. And Heather. And Chris. And we're discussing the various ages at which you peak at various things throughout life. But no matter how old you are, you can peak at saving when you shop online, when you use <laughs> saveatpurse.com. Now, the wow. peak is 35%. That, that's the highest percentage that Purse will allow you to request. It might take a little bit of time. Uh, I have consistently been saving between 20 to 25% on things that I was going to buy anyway from Amazon by going to saveatpurse.com. Now, what you do after you go to saveatpurse.com, create an account, is you will put things in your Amazon wish list, import the wish list to that account at saveatpurse.com, and then you fund the account with Bitcoin. And then somebody decides, I'm willing to pay a premium for Bitcoin, and they purchase the items. They don't know who you are other than your you know, screen name, but they, they don't know who you are, where you live. Amazon, you know, hides that through the wish list stuff. You get the stuff. And then when it arrives, you go back to saveatpurse.com and you say, I have my stuff. And then the person that bought the stuff for you gets the Bitcoin. And it's kind of like magic. You get to save again, five, 10, 15, 25% up to 33% at save at purse. Dot com. So we asked the question, Heather, because you are not looking at these numbers. Me and Chris are. There are two times in life mm-hmm. when people reach the peak of satisfaction with their life. Can you guess when that is? And again, remember, it's two different times when this happens. Okay, the two times. Life satisfaction. I'm going to guess, hmm, now are these all like, 
And again, these are averages to where, you know, they've asked people various things. Some of them have been studies to where they can, you know, actually know. But I'm guessing life satisfaction is something where people are self-reporting. I'm going to guess, I'm going to guess like your teenage years when your parents pay all your bills. And then I'm going to guess like when you're 70 and in retirement and you're getting to that point where you love your body. Those were pretty good Very, very close. Yeah. Very close. 23 and 69. Ah, okay. Yeah. So a survey of 23,000 people in Germany found that the 23-year-olds were particularly satisfied with their lives, quote, all things considered. Until they started defaulting on those student loans. <laughs> exactly. And... I was actually listening to a podcast where they were discussing student loans. <laughs> and then the second one, it says life satisfaction peaks again at 69. Remember that oh, study in so Germany close. that found 23-year-olds were particularly satisfied with their lives? After a dip in middle age, <laughs> life satisfaction <laughs> peaked Peaked again at about 69 years old. Even more intriguing, people over 60 had better life satisfaction than people 55 and up predicted they would feel five years down the line. So, yeah, you get that into your 50s, just very interesting. start to get a little you know, jaded, and it's like, oh, this this all sucks. What is it, but the three about stages of life, though, that it goes, right? So when you're young, you have energy and time, but you have no money. Then you reach the middle age, right? And so you have money and you have energy, but you don't have the time because you're always working. And right. then when you get into retirement, you've got the time and you've got the money, but you don't got the energy. <laughs> right. That's about right. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I'm sure there's some kind of supplement that supposedly gives you all kinds of energy. And then you've got all the money to buy it. But then after you buy the supplement, you no longer have money, but you've got all the so energy. You can never be happy unless you have all three and we'll never have all three. So speaking of happiness, how about understanding people's emotions? When do you think we peak at understanding people's emotions? Think ah, on that. Well, think on that. We're going to go to Skype where we've got Chris calling in from Texas. Chris, you're on Free Talk Live with Daryl, Heather, and Chris. Good evening, everyone. Daryl, it's nice to hear your voice. Chris and Heather, it's good to put faces to names. I'm a I'm a podcast listener, so I'm currently listening to last night's podcast, so I really haven't been a part of the conversation yet. No problem. But uh, the reason I wanted to call in was because I guess it was Monday or just a few days ago when uh, Mark started return or return to the to uh, Free Talk Live. It reminded me of how important it was to be amping, and I my amp subscription had expired because my credit card had expired, and I couldn't figure out an easy way to renew it. But uh, just tonight before I called, I went in and renewed and actually upped my amp subscription. So and for people that awesome. hold on, Chris, for people that might right. not be aware, AMP is advertise, market, and promote, and it's a way that if you enjoy the show and you like what we're doing, if you like having a libertarian-oriented radio show that's on about 160 radio stations, you know, actual radio stations and climbing coast to coast and beyond then you can donate to show your support. You can go make to a monthly AMP. pledge. You, you can make monthly. Uh, you can also do one time with Bitcoin at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. Continue with your thoughts, Chris. Yeah, I just, you know, I listened. I was a daily Free Talk Live podcast listener for probably two years before I actually started 
amping. And I heard you guys say how important it was, ask for the money, ask for the money. And I thought, it was almost every podcast, I would think, okay, that's something I really got to do, and I really got to do. But you just put it off, right? Right, right. Um, but it, having done so now for more than a year, and it just feels so good to know that I'm contributing to something that's so positive and has had such a big impact on my life. So if you're listening to me and you've been listening to the show for a long time and you feel really good about FTL and what they've done for you and, and people around you and you think you want to share that message, it's such an important way to, to help them and uh so anyway that's it i just really wanted to implore anyone who's not amping yet and feel strongly about the show to just make that commitment it's so easy to do online you can do paypal you can do bitcoin you can do credit card just do it and, and help the show that's it oh you're awesome we appreciate it <laughs> chris thanks for the call any final thoughts nope you guys have a great night thanks you too thank you oh man that was so nice that just mm-hmm. made me feel so like Good to be on here and, and doing this. I was in the same boat. Yeah. I've been a fan for a long time. Listen to the show all the time. Kind of like zoned out whenever Mark's ads would come out and go on. <laughs> yeah. Be sure to amp. Um, but whatever, for whatever reason, after hearing it at some point, it just kind of struck me going, you know, I, I do appreciate this. I appreciate yeah. the message because the message doesn't get out in in mainstream media at all um and if if there's a chance that somebody else can can grasp the ideas mm-hmm. of liberty like i did which i owe in large parts of this show that's a good thing that's yeah. worth my money you know and that it makes me think too like every week when i'm looking for stories and stuff like that that i that i want to bring in and do on here like i always try to find something because i think of the listeners and like okay what's gonna you know benefit them what's going to be a value for them to hear because it really is so important when you only have so many hours in the day and people take that time to listen to this radio show and then you know we have the opportunity to either make them laugh give them something informative and you know instill certain principles and always try to make it worth it and the caller mentioned listening to the podcast version and you can find those archives going back Mm -hmm. a dozen years all for free just go to freetalklive.com and I believe it's actually listen.freetalklive.com. But again, those archives going back a dozen years. Right. Who has that? And we let you have that for free. Other talk shows, they put that behind a paywall and that's where they get you with that uh, monthly subscription. We put it all out there for free and you give us the money because you appreciate what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so back to the article about the various ages at which you peak at everything. Heather, at what age will you best understand other people's emotions? Okay. so According this, to science. According to science. I'm going to have to say uh, wisdom is going to play a huge role in this. So it's going to yes, be it a later in life age. Mm-hmm. point so i'm gonna guess uh 65 hold on don't don't give her the answer i'll give you a hint uh <laughs> you might have to calculate some things when trying to understand emotions <laughs> now we're i think it was more now confused. we're hoping that you've remembered every yeah. other previous 70? No, no 51 you're best at math at 50 Understanding emotions at 51. Your calls and thoughts welcome. Hour two coming up next after the news. This is Free Talk Live. 855 450 free. Ross Ulbricht was convicted in early 2015 of running the infamous Silk Road Underground Market. 
The Silk Road was a gift to humanity and helped reduce the harms brought on by drug prohibition. For this good deed, Ross has been sentenced to life in prison with no possibility of parole. Now, an appeal is Ross's only chance, and he needs your support. Please visit freeross.org, where you can contribute via various methods, including Bitcoin. Visit freeross.org. That's freeross.org. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. Kicking off our number two in studio, it's Daryl. And Heather. And Chris. And we are going to change topics to discuss something that we actually discuss quite a bit on the show and that is bitcoin i'm personally a fan of bitcoin chris i know you use it heather i have have a wallet that has maybe like 57 cents no it has one penny on it one penny used it yeah you get it if anybody wants to donate Bitcoin to me, I'd love to have one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you my little code. <laughs> so, uh, you know, aside from, and we've discussed, you know, <laughs> save it purse where you can go buy things that you're going to buy from Amazon, but something that you can't definitely can't buy from amazon you can find it online. You need a special browser. I'm scared of where this is going cannabis oh okay uh there's a story from news.bitcoin.com about some cannabis dispensaries in seattle that uh, apparently this is not the first time that they've been reported on the story says two months ago bitcoin.com reported on the state of washington giving cannabis dispensaries approval to begin accepting Bitcoin for cannabis sales. Now, thanks to a fintech startup called Posabit, a few of the merchants in Seattle are utilizing the currency in their business operations. Many cryptocurrency enthusiasts would love to see the Bitcoin industry join together with the growing cannabis movement, which is happening in a few states. The state of Washington has allowed medical and recreational cannabis sales since 2014. And just recently, lawmakers in Washington and the state's Liquor and Cannabis Board gave cannabis merchants and payment processors the approval to utilize digital currencies for dispensary sales. I'll tell you, that is great news. One of the biggest things that has hit the the folks in, in Washington state and Colorado, and I'm not sure, you know, if it's hit D.C. or what it was really affected maybe in in other states but the the inability to deal with banks that da- banks would shut them down right. uh, the feds would come in and say you know this is a a dangerous business and you cannot be banking here and this lets them move right around it and once you have your bitcoin you can certainly sell that bitcoin and that's great mm-hmm. right and i i don't think it's so much that the banks have said you're in a dangerous business it's you're doing something that is federally illegal, and there's, I, I believe, a federal law that 
prohibits a bank from doing business with someone that is doing something that is federally money laundering? illegal. Well, I'll, I that, use does that. Does that fall under the money laundering? Uh, I, I'll have to research it. I purposely use that word dangerous because it seems like that is part of that federal law that they throw that in. Um, for well, whatever they, reason, there was also something. Uh, I forget the name of the guy, but uh, an adult film star that wound up having his banks uh, wind up saying, "You can't do business anymore because basically because reasons." And it's mm-hmm. it's hit gun shops too. I'll uh, say uh, gun I, shops couldn't. When I got my, um, I took a state test to get my producer's license and insurance. And one of the questions was about washing money, where people would take money that they got from illegal activities, they dump it into like a single premium life insurance policy, free look the policy within the first 30 days to get an What's insurance check. It means they would cancel the policy right. during okay. the first 30 days and they'd get a check from the insurance company refunding them for the premium right. that they put into the single premium life insurance policy. So it would give the illusion that the money was clean because then when they'd go to a bank they'd be putting in a check from, from an, an insurance, insurance company what could be more solid than that do you know what i mean right. yeah. so we were all trained and like had to answer all these questions and you know i well, imagine it, that's something the banks when you get if, approved federally to do business as a bank that you're also agreeing not to you know take money and wash it right essentially uh, and if, I, if i learned anything from breaking bad it's if you want to launder money you buy a series of car washes right and vending machines and, and i won't say that it's this caused is not violence causely uh but but i look at you know the particularly in colorado where these guys were you know they're hiring ex-military and mercenaries and everything else to protect they're like HQ because they had to hold this stuff in cash. And right. Because they were just inviting violence. Prohibited from yeah. getting bank accounts. Uh, again, this is only in Washington, uh, this story. I've not looked to see if Colorado has done anything similar. Uh, but again, in the state of Washington, the uh, Liquor and Cannabis Board as well as legislators recently gave approval for cannabis merchants to begin using Bitcoin. Since the startup Posibit, a credit card to Bitcoin payment processor, has begun working with four Seattle dispensaries which sell cannabis. The dispensaries working with the Posibit system include, and they give the names here, I'll go ahead and give them because it's in the story, uh, and maybe you're a Bitcoin enthusiast and want to, you know, legally obtained something uh queen anne cannabis company herb's house greener today and three uncle ike's locations all great names too by the way you notice that Posibit claims <laughs> to give cannabis merchants and other brick and mortar stores an easier way to accept credit cards and bitcoin at any point of sale location furthermore the company says using their digital processor reduces cash cash transactions which can be a danger for cannabis dispensary employees. And that's something that you had mentioned. Yeah. Uh, and I got to wonder, I got to wonder what my, uh, my buddy Don, uh, who we talked about him briefly. I oh think, yeah. A week uh, ago. In Oregon, the, uh, Nope. Washington state, Washington state. Okay. But you're it's from the, Oregon. Hence my confusion. That's okay. Um, 
But Don was mayor when the town actually started their own marijuana right. dispensary. And I'm wondering, as a municipality operating that, whether they had the same restrictions on them that commercial uh, ventures have. Right. I suspect no. The, but if you ever want to talk to him, let me know. We, we could get him on the show. The article continues, The Posibit experience allows users to purchase Bitcoin with a credit card and then use them to purchase goods from the cannabis location with a Posibit kiosk. In essence, the startup says that they remove the issue of credit cards from cannabis sales by utilizing a legal cryptocurrency because cannabis credit card sales are prohibited by law. Hmm. Co-founder Ryan Hamlin told the Seattle Weekly, we're selling Bitcoin to individual customers and allowing our our customers, that being the cannabis dispensaries, to accept Bitcoin as payment. Obviously, federal law prohibits using credit cards to purchase cannabis. That's exactly what we're not doing. So there, and I, I sort of have an issue here uh, because credit card charges can be undone if you call up the credit card company right. and say, "You have some protection." I wasn't there. I didn't make that purchase. Well, if you're buying Bitcoin with a credit card, then you could wind up calling the credit card company. My credit card was stolen. Yeah. And then, you know, you're, you're kind of uh, screwing somebody on the back end. Yeah. So I, I wonder I, if there aren't some some checks and balances in there that may not be covered in the covered in the article. Yeah. I don't know, mm. um, but I do think it's a very positive thing. Number one, uh, kudos to Washington State for recognizing that that a plant doesn't need to be regulated at right. a federal level, mm-hmm. and the right the rightful action is to nullify it, to just say it doesn't exist. And good for them for stepping up and finding a way to allow people to purchase this uh, and for the sellers to deal with money in a better way than they have before. And apparently they do offer some kind of protections to the business. We'll get into that and your calls and thoughts. 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. This is Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733 in studio. It's Daryl. And Heather. And Chris. And we are discussing Bitcoin, uh, specifically the news out of Washington State where legislators and bureaucrats with the Liquor and Cannabis Board have decided to allow businesses that are, you know, cannabis dispensaries, they have allowed them to wind up accepting Bitcoin. And, well, Bitcoin.com is actually where this story comes from, and... They're the most unique online destination in the Bitcoin universe. Want to buy Bitcoin? Do it there. Want to speak your mind to other Bitcoin users? Their forum is always open and censorship-free at forum.bitcoin.com. There are no bigger believers in the Bitcoin universe than Bitcoin.com's team. 
That's why this site is a one-stop shop for everything you need to get into Bitcoin life. You can also play games at games.bitcoin.com. Learn more at bitcoin.com. That's bitcoin.com. We'll get back into the article in just a second, but we've actually got a caller from Washington. We've got Stephen calling in. Stephen, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead with your thoughts. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Um, yeah, I just wanted to uh, mention uh, something that I thought was interesting here today. Uh, I was reading a periodical, uh, and a familiar name came up. Um, they mentioned the Foundation for Economic Education uh, in one of the essays, and I was like, wow, I know what that is. Um, and uh, it was in an article that was talking about uh, something called the Clemen Institute for the Study of Capitalism, uh, based in uh, Clemen University. And um, they uh, sound like a pretty similar organization. The Clement Institute is a uh, is an organization that for studying the morality of capitalism. Uh, I guess it's still in one of the country um, that does that. Uh, in a I guess two times a year they host uh, uh, conferences, and in one of the conferences they they co-host with uh, the Foundation for Economic Education. Um, mm. So I thought that was interesting. I thought I wanted to bring it up. And uh, actually, the, the same issue of the periodical, they mentioned the uh, morality of vaccinations uh, as well. So I saw another connection with you guys. The morality hmm. of vaccinations? Yeah. Uh, what What's that one about? So let, let me re-ask the question. Are they saying that it is moral to legislate that people get vaccinated or they're just saying it's moral to do it of your own volition? Uh, so it was written by a couple of, uh, of doctors, uh, virologists, uh, I believe. Um, and, uh, yeah, they, they were pro, uh, government enforcement of, uh, <laughs> of, um, vaccinations. No. Yeah. Uh, that- doesn't really sound like a free market sort of thing. Yeah, as a mom, I will fight you if you try to force me to stick a needle in my kid. But here's my point of view, and I and I agree too. I I think that it is a choice for parents to make and for mm-hmm. people to make if they want to be vaccinated. But I I absolutely welcome reading things that I don't agree with. I, I right. want to understand your argument. I want to understand why you feel the way you do. So I'm I'm I'll look into that. I appreciate it. Yeah, and well, that's not my argument. I, right. Yeah, but you just, brought just, it up. You get clear, credit. I, I don't agree with what they're saying. Uh, and I, I tried pulling up uh, Clemson University. I found the Clemson Institute. Uh, is that the I one you're talking good. about? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Just wanted to make sure, and I'll post a link to this institute on the Facebook and Twitter. Stephen, thank you for the call. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's interesting. Uh, that is such a hot button uh, subject, and. And I talked to some of my friends about it. You know, why did this all of a sudden pop up? And what the vaccine thing? Yeah, but when I talk to like new parents and things like that, you know, it's not like the four I got when I was. You know, we got like six maybe total. See, the uh, thing when is, I was a baby. Well, it, but now it's like seventy or yeah, crazy it, it, there's something crazy. But then again, like. You know, you got to look at both arguments to every single case, right? Like back when there was only four or five, there also wasn't as much advancement in modern medicine and stuff like that that there is today. So 
I think no matter who you are, unless you're an expert in the field, you're still gambling whether you get the vaccines or you don't. And it should always be left to be a choice. Like, I personally have been vaccinated. I vaccinated my daughter. Mm -hmm. Um, My mother and myself actually worked for her pediatrician, and he is an expert. And I genuinely trust him. And if he thought it was a good thing to have them done, I trusted in his opinion. And that was my choice to do so. I do, however, and this is my theory, that I've always said that I think certain batches of vaccines don't always have the same the things that they're supposed to. Like I think with government control of all these different labs and research facilities that manufacture these vaccines leave room for corruption and things like a lack of accountability. So when, you know, a thousand vaccines go out that have these bad reactions, you know, and something may or may not have been right. added to those vaccines, there's no accountability now to anybody. Right. And do you know what I mean? Where where I look at this is from a standpoint of you know, you, there there should be the inform fully informed consent. Right. And right now of the states that do allow some kind of opt out, mm-hmm. it's either you're opting out of all vaccines or you're not opting out at all. Yeah, you, you and don't that's get to yeah, pick and choose which vaccine. You can't say, "Okay, I've read bad uh, things about this particular pneumonia I, I think vaccine." That, uh, you know, the MMR, the measles, mumps, rubella. Yeah, I had that one when I was a kid. So yeah, go ahead, right. give little Johnny that one. Uh, the chickenpox vaccine, yeah, maybe. Uh, but some of the stuff now to where there are certain states saying. Nope. Everybody entering the seventh grade must get the HPV. Right. Yeah, they and, do that in Rhode Island. But I also understand. God, if I if I had a herd of cattle, I'd vaccinate every last one of them, and that's sort of how the government sees us. It's right. herd vaccination. That's the theory. Um, right, but what but do you say? Is the difference is you own the cattle. Now, if they're saying you have to get vaccinated, <laughs> interpret that to mean they're saying we own you, right? And when they children. can tell you, right? But why is that any different than telling you what you can, uh, what you can smoke, what you can put in your own body, what kind of milk you can drink? It is that is the government asserting its right over your body. Which it claims. I'm not saying they right. have any claim on my body, but right. That's but why they suicide's do. illegal. It's illegal to destroy <laughs> government property. Yeah, but mm-hmm. I, I think where I was going with this is that okay. Then can government-run facilities deny you or your children access because you haven't been properly vaccinated? Schools is a good example. Okay, oh, yeah. you know what I mean. Okay, we run the school. We recognize you may not want to vaccinate your kid, um, but. Then he's not allowed to go to school because that's common, right? They mm-hmm. ask for vaccination records. Yeah. And yep. We'll talk about this afterwards. Yeah. And your calls and thoughts welcome 855 450 free. That's 855 450 3733. This is Free Talk Live. 
DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Shop.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, get a great deal, and a portion of your purchase goes to benefit Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon via shop.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. Your calls and thoughts welcome. 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. We are talking about vaccines. Vaccine. The we being Daryl. And Heather. And Chris. And the topic got brought up by a caller. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's still more to the cannabis accepting uh <coughs> Bitcoin or the Bitcoin accepting cannabis dispensaries uh, that we'll get back into. But since, you know, the topic of vaccines came up and this is something that, you know, everybody's got opinions about. Right. Uh, Now, whether or not those opinions are necessarily informed opinions, that's up for debate. Yeah. Uh, But again, my position is that I believe that parent should be able to basically pick and choose on the vaccines instead mm-hmm. of right now if you qualify for a waiver and it depends on what state you live in depending right. on what the requirements are but i believe pretty much every state allows for a religious exemption some states allow for a philosophical exemption and then there are medical exemptions to where if the doctor says mm-hmm. giving your child this vaccine right. uh, because of a condition they have could be deadly. So, you know, medical yeah. waiver for this. But it's basically an all or nothing sort of thing to where if you get one vaccine, little Johnny or little Betty has to get every vaccine. Yeah. And I'm opposed to that. Um for the same reasons you are, Daryl, I do think parents uh, have a role to make wise decisions for their children until they're old enough to make mm-hmm. decisions for themselves. But I also um, really see the importance of vaccination and how it can and has saved millions and millions of lives. Right. I mean, there's and no question. If things are a really good idea, people will do them because it's just a really good idea. Right. You know, mm-hmm. eating salad, you know, I think most doctors would agree people should eat more of them. <laughs> right. Uh, but there's not a government mandate of you must eat one salad per day or right. you must, you know, we, we've got government agents that will come to your house to make sure that Don't you give have them a any certain ideas, number Darryl. of yeah, servings really. of this vegetables. This is coming now. Way to go, Daryl. I know. Yeah. Well, well, we were talking. My, my question there goes is. There Daryl sucking the fun out of everything again. <laughs> d- does the uh, Just kidding. teaspoon of spirulina that I put in my <laughs> smoothie, does that count as a serving of vegetables? To me, sure. To okay. Ronald Reagan, who knows? It, it turns the smoothie green. There you go. And we were talking a little <laughs> bit. I, I talked about, we had talked about testing of vaccines and things like that. And I think I have sort of a unique history. So for those of you who may listen frequently know that i was in the military i was in communications the War of 1812 no it was actually in the reagan <laughs> years daryl so only before heather was alive 
Um, it was back when he was peaking. <laughs> exactly. I was peaking at something. Um, but I was in the military and I was stationed uh, doing communications at Fort Detrick, Maryland. If you're not familiar with Fort Detrick, it's an army base and it is the military equivalent of the CDC. They study okay. the most horrendous. The CDC dis- being for the our centers of Centers for Disease, disease control, control and Prevention. Yep. So there's two places, or at least there used to be two places that you could take an Ebola victim. You know, somebody who's got this horrible mm-hmm. hemorrhagic fever that's yep. 100% going to kill them, and it's horribly, uh, it, it can be transmitted easily. They either went to the uh, safe rooms down at the CDC in Atlanta, or they went to Fort Detrick, Maryland. Okay. And yeah. The federal government has also done biological testing there. The MK Ultra programs were based out of Fort Detrick, yeah. as far as the CIA work and things like that. Well, but, what about the, uh, the men who stare at goats? Was that done at Fort Detrick? There was some reference to that, but I I know I, I'm actually I know a little bit more about that than than we. Anyway, the long and the short of it is is while I was in the military, we could, and the reward was free medical for the rest of your life Woo-hoo! and thirty days uh, paid you know leave. You got a month off if you would go in and either get a vaccine and then be exposed to a disease like sand flea disease. I've never heard of that or. If they would give you the disease and then attempt to cure you, so what is sand flea disease? It it is something uh, I've never you, heard of sand to, fleas. You'll have to Google it. But I they hate- also did this for I think some malaria vaccines and things like mm-hmm. that. But this was a program that was open to oh, yeah. U.S. soldiers. If you wanted to go, you know, to this other building on Fort Detrick, they would. You know, let you go in there. You fill out a bunch of forms and you could do it. I never did it. I had friends who did it. Well, I feel like a lot of people don't know that at one point in time, the military was in charge of all like this. It wasn't the CDC. It was actually the CDC came later. But originally it was, I think, the army because it was considered a form of like bio warfare because other countries, people can use diseases as weapons. You know, like if you have another country that you know, finds a cure to a disease and they're the only one that's got it, they can unleash that disease on any other nation and it becomes right. a form and of warfare, the, the, which is why the military was tasked with overseeing. The U.S. military has a history of doing that. Oh, right. We have patents uh, on Smallpox blankets. Yeah. And Three words, smallpox blankets. And Fort yeah. Detrick. And Lyme's a lot disease. of this stuff is out there now. Um, but Fort Detrick was the center for... Not only, uh, you know, cures for biological weapons, but weaponizing. And mm-hmm. even we, when we were under uh, treaty not to do this, uh, we kept on doing that. And all that information's oh, out course. there. One of my favorite stories of Fort Detrick, that if you used to drive by, there was one tall building. You usually go to a military base. It's all like, mm-hmm. you know, one or two story buildings. There was one five story building and it was, we called it Anthrax Tower. And if you drove by it and you happen to look, you could see it from off base, you realize that all the windows on this building had been cemented shut. And if you looked at the base of it, all the doors had been cemented shut. And you saw no air conditioning units on the top of the building. Is that because it was full of anthrax? Is that why they called it Anthrax Tower? There you go. (laughs) That was a broken vial uh, during transport. So the story goes, the folklore of Fort Detrick and they sealed that building whoever was in it was in it and that's the only thing they could do wow and they took it down a couple years ago uh which was uh, i think it took five or ten years to actually 
disassemble the building and dispose of it allegedly safely. Let's go to the phones. We've got Ralph calling in from Michigan. Ralph, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead with your thoughts. Oh, thanks for taking my call. Uh, have any of you uh, folks heard of Peter Hendrickson's book called Cracking the Code, The Fascinating Truth About Taxation in America? No. no. I've never heard of Peter Hendrickson. But we're Googling. You have not. Okay. Well, Mr. Hendrickson solves the income tax deception in 2003 with the publication of that book. I would suggest going to YouTube and, and looking at some of Mr. Hendrickson's videos, but let me ask you folks something. What, what do you think the, the federal income tax is? Theft. Theft. <laughs> but you're, you're correct, but it's actually, it's actually a lawful excise tax. Federal income tax is a lawful excise tax. But a deception was initiated in 1943 to take this, oh, I guess, benign excise tax that applied to a very small group of people and trick the public into thinking that they were liable for it. Well, they've certainly done that. If you don't pay your taxes, you're not patriotic. You're being un-American. You have to pay your fair share. And you hate roads. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, You can go over to Hendrickson's website, which is losthorizons.com, and you can click on bulletin board, and there are at least a 1,000 refund checks there that are posted there. Gentlemen, refund checks start going out in 2005 in the hundreds. By 2009, they reach uh, the tens of thousands, and the numbers now could be, could be just astronomical. No, so I, you're I saying that it. people are using this book to come up with new and clever ways to get many more dollars in their refunds? Well, no, no, no. Here's a... We've, I, I guess, you know, I've, I've got to invoke the imagery of Invasion of the Body Snatchers and a little bit of Dark City here. Uh, Hold that thought, Ralph. Hold that thought. We'll be back in just a moment with your calls and thoughts. 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. This is Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. In studio, it's Daryl. And Tether. And Chris. And we'll go back to the phones. We've got Ralph in Michigan who called in about a man named Peter Hendrickson who back in the early 2000s wrote a book called Cracking the Code that I'm still not entirely positive what the code is. He did mention a website, Chris. You're looking around on that website, and uh, the caller mentioned some sizable numbers on some refund checks. Were you able to figure out what those refund checks were? It seemed like people were getting back everything that they had paid into a given state or into a federal. Everything all got all their taxes back. Is that basically what this is about? So let's go back to Ralph. Ralph, you're back on Free Talk Live. Uh, yes. Did yes, you hear yes, Chris's gentlemen, question? Let me get let me get right to the the basis of the deception. The word income in the context of income tax is a custom definition. 
There is a difference. Basically, between... everything in statute is a customized definition. Okay, then you understand custom definitions as they are used in statutes. Yes, yes, we okay. do. Okay, all right. Income and all of the qualifiers that you see in Title 26 that you have been led to believe are being used in their common meaning context is just the opposite. They are all custom definitions, and they are all related to the engagement of an excisable activity. In this particular application, we're talking about working for the federal government or using federal government property for some gainful business activity. Both of those situations libel you for the income tax because now you're outside of common right and you're involved in an excisable activity. Okay. My only question in all this is, does the government care? Does, well, do uh, they care or they're just going to come well, after you if you... No, 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 no. Gentlemen, the refund checks go out because they have to. They absolutely have to. Then I guess my question is, is why isn't every single... The, the wealthiest people that can afford the wealth, the, the best tax advisors and things like that. Why did Donald Trump end up paying, what, what was it, well, 33 million, 38 million uh, in taxes? I can explain that. Uh, there is a, there, there's lots of, there's lots of uh, uh, video interviews with Hendrickson, and there's, there's one very good interview up there uh, by a guy named Dan Travis, and he gives a copy of Cracking the Code to a, George, a Georgetown Law School graduate and after a while, he comes back and he, he converses with this individual, and Dan Travis says, what am I missing? What's going on here? And this Georgetown Law School graduate explains to him, he's, and, and this, this particular graduate remembers the time that income tax comes up in classroom discussion at Georgetown Law School, and they were intentionally deceived in law school, and that's why all lawyers are intentionally deceived. When the subject matter of income tax came up, it, it, the, the the, the discussion starts out as if everybody has income, and no distinction is made between income, the custom definition, and earnings at common right. No distinction is made. But that, that, that principle still exists, gentlemen. That's why, the, that's why the refunds go out. So let me ask this question, Ralph. Uh, was Peter Hendrickson successful in fighting off the 10-count indictment that was brought against him in 2008 for yes, fraudulent well, well, uh, was, tax returns? This is, that is a ham sandwich situation, gentlemen. Let me tell you about that court case. Uh, Mr. Hendrickson was accused of not believing what he wrote mm -hmm. on a 1040 form. Those were the charges. Uh, no, the exist. charges were providing uh, false information to the federal government. He he was charged with perjury. No, he was not. I'm looking at the indictment right now, Ralph, and it says it said he was offered like a 27 month sentence. Him and his wife both he, filed. He filed forms months, but... under the penalty of perjury, claiming that he had no wages. No, no, he was not charged with perjury. Yeah, you know that you know, you you are you are liable for perjury if you are making an incorrect statement. But he 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 was he he made no incorrect statements. He was asked, why don't you get him on your program? He's free to call in any night eight fifty five four fifty free. Ralph, thank you for the call. <sighs> you know, part of me just wants this all to be exactly the way he describes it because. 
and then we get I'm the so word confused, out, and then, though, like and then all the money that. that's been going to the government now starts flowing back to the people. It would be perfect, but it. it I like. To I'm think sorry. I'm until, smart, but I'm so lost after hearing him. Like, I, I don't I'm just get such it. a skeptic anymore. You know, it's right. it's because I've heard so many things. Well, you know, if you say this combination of magic words to a police officer, then he'll uh, release you. He has to let you go. He has to give you a ride home and give you a, a pony. But everybody that uses these theories. They've all either never gone to court for anything, or they have gone to court and they wind up getting found guilty. <laughs> yeah. I so I wait, don't know. was he for or against income tax? The guy He's against it, but he also claims that the lawful. money that you make during the year is not income because income is defined as money received from working for the federal government with, because of interpretations right. of interpretations of words that are used right and th- that's where it just you know again it's to me this is one of those uh you know magic word defenses that you know do this right. and everything will and the simple version of income tax you guys both hit the nail on the head is what is income tax it's theft, theft. Right. okay it's somebody that is working for a living and somebody else government saying they want a piece of that pie they want a piece of the fruit of your labor even though they did absolutely nothing right. to earn it and but they feel entitled to it a, a lot so. of the uh you know theory is based on what's called the inclusion exclusion rule mm-hmm. to where if somebody says this includes this then it excludes everything that is not right. this right my whole compromise on this whole thing because i've always kind of like had that theory like okay if we all live in hypothetically speaking a gated community you know what i mean mm-hmm. and like everybody in the community pays their dues you know like with a right. country and the way the government structured structured we don't have the opportunity to opt out of paying not only that but we don't like even though we're told to pay we don't even have the opportunity to say okay which departments do we want it to go to right that's 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 the disadvantage of our quote representative government where they just vote for money to go wherever they want and none of them really ever leave well what one thing that mm, is slightly better here in new hampshire than in a lot of places We've got things called town meeting yeah. to where you can show up at what's called the deliberative session if the town's organized a certain way right. or you show up to town meeting if it's organized another way and you can actually vote on the line items and say, yeah. I think line 47 should be $5.14 lower. Yep. yep. And then everybody votes. Do we reduce line 47 by $5.14 all in favor all opposed line 47 is reduced by five dollars and 14 cents and then somebody else gets up and say i think we should raise line 47 by two dollars wait i have a question for you daryl yes okay right like say you let like say we did the government in new hampshire right and you could opt out of like paying no taxes right but then everybody that kept paying taxes there became dues right and the those that money was used to pay for all the roads. So you'd you'd argue the collective had the property rights over the roads, right? Because they were funding, they, they paid for, and they them. were paying they, for. Them. Yep. Okay. So w- would it then be okay for them to say if we want everybody on these roads to who uses our roads, you don't have to pay for them, but you have to buckle up, and then they were to also pay to enforce those things? Would that be a libertarian view? <laughs> 
This is an honest question. I think if you're letting somebody this use your property, question. but you had conditions to go along with it, sure. That's fine. So if yeah, you had I speed limits no... and we're like, okay, you know, yeah. we want to make sure everybody that uses our roads that we paid for is... I'd know, see no problem with them charging gonna... me a toll if I wasn't paying for the roads and it belonged to them. Sure, charge me a toll. Yeah, see, that's like and the, the compromise. Know, roads existed long before government funding of roads existed. Yeah, and interesting, a lack of a federal income tax existed long before we had a federal income tax. But I do think... Now, we had different periods where it popped up, um, but... You know, once once you went with the 16th uh, Amendment and right. declared that this is going to be the law of the land, um, then now people just accept that there's a federal income tax and don't need it, guys. Yep. We don't need it. Your calls and thoughts. Welcome. 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. Who would build the roads is basically <laughs> Heather's question. Call in if you have an answer. This is Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. On Free Talk Live, we're bringing people to the ideas of liberty every day. From wrestling superstars like Glenn Jacobs. You guys really are having an impact, I believe. Like I said, uh, a lot of where I am now is due to listening to Free Talk Live. You changed my mind on some very important issues years ago. To random people tuning in on the radio. I was kind of stuck in the left-right paradigm. I heard your show by chance on a Saturday night. From there, I went on, joined the Free State Project, and become an amplifier. So, I mean, that's really the reason why I amp is uh, because I know that if it wasn't for you guys being on as many stations as you are, I never would have found the ideas of liberty. Your amp will directly change more lives by getting Free Talk Live in front of people looking for talk radio online and on the air. You can help by joining the AMP program for just $5 a month at amp.freetalklive.com and getting perks. That's amp.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. Kicking off our number three in studio, it's Daryl. And Heather. And Chris. And we'll get back to your calls in just a moment. (laughs) And Heather got a case of the giggles all of a sudden. And it's contagious. Yeah, some things are better left off the air. We'll just leave it (laughs) at that. So, last hour, we were uh, talking about some good news for cannabis dispensaries in Washington State, uh, specifically a handful of dispensaries in the Seattle area that have started accepting Bitcoin. Great news. And Chris, for anybody that might be listening that is not, you know, they're they're not familiar with Bitcoin. Maybe they've heard the term, but they're not, you know, really sure what it is. What is Bitcoin? Well, thank you, Daryl, for putting me on the spot. Uh, But Bitcoin is a decentralized uh, alternative currency uh, that is open source, that anybody can look at the code and see what it is. It features a public open ledger. So the transactions that occur, anyone can view them, anyone can verify that things have actually occurred. So as such, um, Bitcoin itself 
has never really been hacked. Right. There have been hacks you know, like, of, of uh, exchanges, wallet providers. Right. But the Bitcoin code itself has not been hacked. It's cryptographically secure. So that whatever inflation, and I know some people say, oh, Bitcoin's free from inflation, but it's not. You know, there's right. inflation that's built in, but it's controlled by right. algorithms. Right. So as such, uh, your currency can actually gain in value, which increases the purchasing power of your of your currency. And that's one of the benefits of Bitcoin. It's interesting because I just had a general, I, I re- operate a little store here in Keene, New Hampshire. Yes. And we're one of the few places, uh, you know, really in all of New England, where you can walk in and you can legally purchase Bitcoin. Yes. We have a machine. You know, you can put, put cash in and get Bitcoin out. It's kind of neat. But uh, we had a guy come in today and he's like, oh, Bitcoin. I thought that died. <laughs> I'm About like, 95 times. Yeah, I couldn't remember the exact count we're up to when when people have proclaimed the death of Bitcoin. You know, this is the end. and. And it's happened over and over and over, yet it's still here. And, and the price, last time I checked, was somewhere around $1,100 a Bitcoin. Uh, slightly mm-hmm. under, uh, but you know, still up there. A over 1000 still. Uh, yeah. 1023 is the price listed on Bitcoin.com, which is where this article comes from. And one thing that you know makes this beneficial, this specifically being that the cannabis dispensaries in washington are now allowed to accept bitcoin is they have some prohibitions to where they're not allowed to use credit cards yeah a lot of banks will not do business with the cannabis dispensaries because well it's federally illegal and right we're not really sure about this but there's a company posibit that is allowing people to purchase Bitcoin with credit cards, and then they use the Bitcoin to make the purchase at the dispensary. And the article, again, from Bitcoin.com says, another benefit to the Posibit system is that the business is fully compliant with Know Your Customer, Anti-Money Laundering, and OFAC. That's an acronym I'm not familiar with, Uh OFAC regulatory guidelines. Additionally, Posibit details its real-time transaction history, provides a transparent reporting system for auditing. The startup company believes that there are a few types of merchants that could use the Posibit infrastructure at point-of-sale locations. The three types of businesses that may benefit from Posibit's Bitcoin system include... And then there's a quote here that says, cash-only merchants who want to accept another form of payment, tech-savvy merchants who want to promote the use of Bitcoin to differentiate themselves from their competition, and micro-merchants who want to benefit from lower transaction costs by accepting Bitcoin for small purchases. Yeah, and to go back, OFAC is the Office of the United States Treasury, Office of Foreign Assets Control. So what they deal with are economic and trade sanctions and national security you know you can't do business or can't transact with iran for example okay uh actually i think you can't didn't those sanctions wind up getting lifted against iran recently but yet there's a lot of you know pressure to not do business with iranian businesses iran might not be an accurate statement but there are other countries that you are forbidden cuba probably there's still sanctions against cuba (laughs) 
I think you <laughs> can actually bring cigars in, but there's still a lot of heavy regulations on uh, who is allowed to travel to Cuba for what reasons. Even though you know the uh, relations are being normalized, it's still nothing a normal mess. about government. Exactly. Uh, let's go back to the phones. We've got Eric calling in from Las Vegas. Eric, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead with your thoughts. Uh, I wanted to refer to your um, conversation about vaccines. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. You're live on the air. Go ahead with your thoughts. I'm suspicious of vaccines, and one of the reasons why is there's a law in the book, uh, 50 U.S.C. 1520, which the title of it is Restrictions on the Use of Human Subjects for Biological and Chemical Testing. Mm -hmm. And if you read into it, Section A says the government can't do this against uh, civilian populations with certain exceptions. And then it goes to Section B, and those exceptions are wide enough to drive a truck through. And so I think that vaccines are one way that they could implement biological and chemical testing on us. Mm -hmm without telling us, and uh, that laws like this just make me nervous. Yeah, see, we were actually kind of discussing that when we had one of the commercial breaks where I had said that for me it's not so much the vaccines, doctors giving vaccines that is the issue because if the vaccines really didn't work, you'd have a lot more doctors speaking out about them. My issue is the fact that the government controls the only people that can manufacture those vaccines. I, I'm not so sure that there would be more doctors speaking out because at one oh, time, do. four out of five doctors recommended a certain brand of cigarette. Lucky strikes. And then a few years later, doctors quit recommending cigarettes. And then about 20 years later, doctors determined that cigarettes were bad for you yeah well, let me so, jump in here a little bit yeah go ahead because okay i'm sure that 99 percent of the vaccines are fine but it seems like there's nothing to stop the government from saying on this particular batch we're going to use it for a test that's exactly and, what i just got done saying to chris on one of the commercial breaks right oh. and then uh, also um I'm the OFAC thing, yeah, Office of Foreign Asset Control. I'm a dealer in a casino, and we're required to spy on customers. And, um, very, you know, if you buy in for a lot of money or you cash in a lot of money, we have to report that. Well, fortunately, I've never had that problem in Las Vegas. <laughs> you know, a lot of the times, too, is um, just kind of rewind back a little bit to your your testing thing. I remember there was a lot of controversy with government using um, wards of the state, like children that they get through DCF custody and like sure. uh, and stuff like that and giving them the vaccines. And one in particular, this girl, Justina, who was medically kidnapped in Boston by Boston's Children's Hospital in the state of Massachusetts, was having all these experimental drugs and tests done on her uh and after a large public outcry when she was released i believe her family started lobbying in washington um with this proposed bill like justina's law that is trying was trying to make it so that wards of the state could no longer be used for medical testing how about just don't test on anybody that does not completely 100 percent volunteer for it with 
uh, full knowledge beforehand. Eric, thank you for the call. Your calls and thoughts, welcome, 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. In studio, it's Daryl. And Heather. And Chris. And I want to invite you to try my pillow risk-free for 60 days. Now, not my actual pillow. You can't have that one. You can get your very own my pillow. Again, risk-free for 60 days. It is the best pillow, I believe, that you will ever use it's designed to fit to the shape of your body and hold your neck in the proper position i've been using it for close to a year and i have to say it's the best pillow that i've ever used and unlike a regular pillow you can actually throw my pillow in the washing machine throw it in the dryer and it's still usable go to mypillow.com use code ftl as in free talk live to get your very own my pillow at half price or get a second pillow free of charge remember if you don't like it in the first 60 days you get your money back less the shipping and the pillow itself is guaranteed to last you 10 years that's mypillow.com code ftl let's go to the phones we've got sarah calling in from nuevo mexico sarah you're on free talk live go ahead with your thoughts yes i just wanted to um uh, mention that the city of santa fe here in new mexico uh they did i i'm assuming they did pass a plastic bag band about 10 years ago so so you bring your own bag or they just charge you 10 cents for paper bags and that's all you get. So they don't deal with plastic bags anymore. So I don't, cause I know that Ying and Mark was uh, talking about California cause they're planning to ban plastic bags. And uh, I guess it's a big deal, you know, cause people just uh, want the convenience of um, having the option of a, uh, Plastic bags being there, you know. They do do the you bag, support so. people being able to use plastic bags freely if, if they want to? Well, you know something. I am for. I'm actually for what uh, Santa Fe is doing. I think people should limit their plastic bags. So, you, so do you I believe that if people use plastic bags and they don't pay a fee, that it, what what's the government going to do? Do you get arrested? Do they arrest people that, well, do they arrest stores that refuse to charge people for paper bags and let them use plastic? But the thing is, I, I think 10 cents or 15 cents a bag, it's not like a $100 uh, feeding van ticket, ticket okay. you know? Something. Okay, well, it's let me like tell you, here's, here's where you and I differ, Sarah. I own a business. I own a small business, and we just started up last year. And believe me, even to this very day, I watch every single stinking penny. And I'll tell you, I know what the price of paper bags are, and I know what the price of plastic bags are. And the plastic bags are a heck of a lot cheaper. My alternative, if I were forced to use paper bags, 
would be to increase my prices on every one of my products that goes in a bag, that's just unavoidable because I don't have the margins to make that up just because Sarah thinks it's a good idea. Well, uh, Sarah mentioned California, and we were yeah. discussing California's uh, – it's not a bag tax. A lot of people are calling it a bag tax. It's actually a government-mandated price floor to where the state uh, government – What kind of custom definition is that <laughs> garbage? <laughs> Well, let's go ahead. Go ahead. Somebody, uh, I I forget if it was the legislature that put this on the ballot or somebody petitioned to get this thing on the ballot, but it was adopted by the voters in November to where businesses are required to charge a minimum of 10 cents per bag. So it's not a tax. That money does not go to the state of California. Required, meaning threatened by force. If you are in violation, then the first. Uh, fine, I believe, was $1,000. So everybody's prices goes up by $0.10 cents on every no, bag. No, no, no. Uh, so we actually had somebody from California that called in, and she right. said, what happens when you're checking out, the cashier will say, how many bags do you think you're going to use for your groceries? And then multiply that number times $0.10 cents <laughs> to wind up, because right. you're not necessarily done bagging up your groceries when they're done scanning everything. Right. So, so can I bring my old bags back and get you can, credit? No, you can bring your bags and use them and not have to pay. Gotcha. Uh, but somebody had also called in and mentioned this chain called Aldi. Right. And we happen to have one in sure. the Keene area. And they were like, well, Aldi charges for bags. Yes, but they're not required by... There's not a law that says Aldi must charge you for bags. Yeah, and believe me... They do it because it makes good business sense. And the cost of those bags in my store, and we use paper bags, and we use plastic bags, that all is part of the price you pay, which I do voluntarily. Some people prefer a paper bag... I'm happy to give it to them. Can we have a lot like of an customers. Incentive too, and be like anybody that you brings their own bag will give like five percent off. Like stores could do stuff like that without like using government to force people to do something. They certainly can, and we certainly appreciate when people do right, come but, in with their own bags. But businesses in California, they can't do that because they're required to. Right. You must charge ten cents per bag minimum. Go ahead with your thoughts, Sarah. Okay, so the 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 off is the cost is that we're going to have a landfill filled with these plastic bags. We're going to have um, these things dumped out into the ocean and whales uh, tagging upon it and turtles eating it. So is that 10 cents a bag? Is that a you know worthwhile uh, cost? Okay, so let, let, let me try to re-explain something to you that has been explained pretty much every time you've called in. Good ideas do not require force. If something makes sense, then people will, you know, for the most part, do it voluntarily. And we see that in our store. I see a lot of people, and this is kind of a crunchy green area, you know what right. I mean? Um, a lot of people do bring in their own bags, and we're, we love it because that's a cost I don't have to incur. Right. And one thing that I had mentioned uh, previously when we were discussing this is... I have a lot of reusable bags that I have purchased. I don't carry them around with me all the time. I might, you know, be, we live in a walkable, bikeable city. Right. I might be out doing other stuff and remember, oh, I need to 
pick something up from somewhere Mm -hmm. and maybe i only have my backpack because i'm coming back from the gym and i can't fit everything into the backpack and i don't want to get a plastic bag because if i'm on my bike it's going to hit the tire and then rip open so i'll spend the dollar to get that cloth bag that's not going to rip open and I've just got like a pile of reusable bags. So what happens if you mandate that people buy a bag, they're going to buy a higher quality bag with the intention of I'm going to reuse this, but then they forget to take it with them. So they buy another bag. So you're just creating more expensive waste and junk. Sarah, thank you for the call. Yeah. And the the and charging that, people per bag doesn't stop the bags from getting to the whales, Sarah. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> yeah, the, the right. bags are still there. People are just paying for them. Right. If and, I were uh, in line and and it's not saving what, the whales, it's is, just putting money in politicians' pockets and driving business to their cherry pick consumers and or manufacturers. It, it creates a surplus because the businesses have more bags than people want to pay. This is Free Talk Live. Here's a chance to do a little activism while you're cruising Facebook, Twitter, or Google+. Between the LOL cats, the recipes, the hot girls, and the inspirational sunrise memes, Free Talk Live's posts pass by your newsfeed. Like them. Comment. It gives us more exposure. If you don't see our posts, click like at facebook.freetalklive.com and then hover over it to click get notifications. It's an easy way to spread the ideas of liberty a bit further. I know you're busy, but you can spare that tenth of a calorie it takes to click on something. Facebook.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE, that's 855-450-3733. In studio, it's Daryl. And Heather. And Chris. And we're going to change gears here and hopefully we'll be able to get through this Apparently, facial recognition, like we, we've known for a while. Heather that brought in a story. We, we've known that <laughs> facial recognition has been a thing, uh, but apparently <clears throat> there were some congressional hearings recently. And Heather yeah. always brings in a story. I always bring in a story. So this is my story that I brought in. and I teased some of you guys on Instagram, like I've been doing every week with my stories. So if you're not following me, follow me on Instagram. <laughs> Do people actually use that? I do. I like tons it. of people do, and for the longest time, I never really kind of got it. <laughs> I but it is. We've been using it more in business, and uh, yeah, a lot of people on it. Okay, so this story is called "At Facial Recognition Databases Hearing Congress Attacks FBI." Right? Sounds really interesting. Hold Caught on. So. I I, I want to hear more about this. (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to dive right in. So Democrats and Republicans alike, right? Shocker, they're working together. Hammered the FBI on Wednesday for its use of facial recognition software to identify potential suspects, saying the technology fosters racial bias, leads to arrests of innocent people, no way, and trashes Americans' privacy. Okay, so this surprises me. That Congress, in a bipartisan manner, is all of a sudden concerned about people's privacy <laughs> after passing better, every right? possible law that that made this stuff available in the first place and worse. Right. Yeah. So more than 400 million pictures of Americans' faces are 
archived in local, state, and federal law enforcement facial recognition networks. The Federal Government Accountability Office reported last year. Those pictures include the faces of about half of all U.S. adults experts estimate. So I'm wondering here where they're getting their photos for the database. Well, it goes into it. It goes into it. I'm guessing they... Uh, get the, every passport application because you've got to send them photos for that. Uh, driver's licenses, some mm-hmm. of them. Mm-hmm. Driver's licenses, some states probably. Uh, anybody that has a mugshot, uh, right. that you know, been arrested for something or, uh, you know, indefinitely detained, and they take a picture of you for something. You know, even if charges get dropped. Dropped, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, anybody that's been booked into a facility, basically. Uh, well, let me get into the story because it in actually says in there. It okay. actually says in there. We only have so much time. So it says, I have zero confidence in the FBI, in the Justice Department, frankly, to keep this in check, said Representative Stephen Lynch, which is a Democrat from uh, my old state of Massachusetts. Aren't all of the Congress... <laughs> People from Massachusetts, Democrats? Mm, depends on the year. It's a fairly safe bet, but I don't know if yeah. they all are. So they said this, uh, he said this at the House Committee on Oversight and Government Regulation hearing. Uh, and in quotes, this is really Nazi Germany here, what we're talking about, Lynch said. And I see a little difference in the way people are being tracked under this, just getting one wide net and getting information on all American citizens. At the very least, he said, warrants for face searches should be required if we're going to build these databases. Okay. I don't disagree. Mm-hmm. He's exactly right. Yep. Nazi but Germany. so are my phone calls, so are my texts, so are my emails. Yep. These are all things that the yep. government has no right to without a warrant, without they should, something. They should not yep. be building these databases. Right. They, well, they I mean, should if the not be information is there and people are choosing to, like, you know, like, I guess it depends on the data, right? Like, certain data is put, like, when people choose to use the internet and they're going online and they're choosing to engage in certain things, certain things become public. So you're kind of, you don't have to use the internet. Right, and I you don't have I mean? to use a cell phone, and I don't have to but, walk into any building. Well, that's that might where have a we enter into contractual agreements with our internet providers and our phone providers, and right. are but sort what, of responsible. Right, for right. But what that- about when those are not made known to us? So, did you know, in before Edward Snowden came out, that everything you posted on Facebook was being shuffled directly from Facebook over to the NSA? To be analyzed, see, I'm, digested. I'm one of those people where I'm like, dude, take whatever I've posted. I don't R- care. But, but <laughs> so you have nothing to hide, so you don't no. care. No, but, see, my issue is more or less with people like you know secretly tapping into like my phone's camera or something like that, which like they and can watching. Do too. Yeah, that would be wrong in my opinion. You know. But just because. But if I go is, online and I post something to my Facebook, which is public for everyone to see, I'm not then going to be like, oh, if they're recording all of that data, like they can't a, do that. But, like but, once I put it out there for people publicly and I make that decision, then it's free. It's like intellectual but property. Just because you make a public post does not mean that the government should keep it in a database. Exactly. I, but see, I think that that's a reasonable expectation when you make something public. It's a reasonable expectation when you live in a police state. That I don't disagree with. But how about all your instant messages? My Have instant? You, yeah. 
Because those are all. Well, I mean, I will always own anything I send text. It might not. I might not have intended it to be a public conversation, but I'll always own up to anything. Well, that's fine. So the government has a right to know everything you say. They don't have a right, but if they're not going to hold it over my head, I'll be like, you know what? I didn't intend. How do you know they won't? But these because I'll, I'll own up to anything they ever release. I have the, no shame. Like I don't. I'm not going to let them f- let fear mongering. Like oh, I don't want them to I post underst- any of my pictures. I understand that part. Messages. But I think where Daryl and I are the going with databases should not even exist. Okay. Well, let me get get back into this here. So the committee's ranking, or wait, Representative John Duncan, Republican from Tennessee, said that I think we're reaching a very sad point a very dangerous point when we're doing away with the reasonable expectation of privacy about anything. The committee's ranking Democrat Elijah Cummings of Maryland noted research indicating that facial recognition systems are less accurate in distinguishing identities among people with dark skin, women, and younger people. So if you're black, you're more likely to be subjected to this technology, said Cummings, who is African-American. And the technology is more likely to be wrong. That's a hell of a combination, especially when you're talking about subjecting someone to the criminal justice system. Now, Kimberly Del Greco, the FBI's deputy assistant director of criminal justice information, stressed under questioning that, in quote, the only information the FBI has and has collected in our database are criminal mugshot photos. That number doesn't include databases compiled by state and local law enforcement agencies called from police mugshots, driver's licenses, passports, visas, security video, and other sources. (laughs) And anything else we can find. So, yeah. (laughs) Well, this brings up that bill in New Hampshire, was it a couple weeks ago, where uh, one of the House bills, Daryl, not complying with the federal agencies in in terms of the databases what was that for? uh that was one that i did not attend that hearing and you know what i'm I, talking about though right no i'm tracking 340 pieces of legislation <laughs> come on uh, daryl you're letting us down <laughs> no we go i get it but yeah and and daryl's point and my point is is the federal government under no stretch of the imagination you you have to be so convoluted and you have to bring up Every harebrained possibility of terrorism or, you know, protect protect the children or whatever to come up with any rationale that gives the federal government the right to have this close of an inspection of your life, your person, your property, what you read, what you Mm -hmm. think. It's just it's wrong on every level. And there's more to this that hopefully we'll get into. We've got Robert calling in from Reno, Nevada. Robert, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead with your thoughts. Hi, yes. Um, I'm sorry. I completely disagree with the opinion that she just stated about anything that you put online, you automatically should be expecting to be public. I think, uh, call me old school, but when we first got online back in the, you know, when I first got online back in the late 90s, it was over a telephone wire, and telephone wires meant private conversations, and private conversations means if I used internet packets instead of a voice analog system, that doesn't change my expectation of privacy. If I put something out there on Facebook, that's a closed community. That's I'm not just saying in today's day and age, you shouldn't have that expectation. Hold, hold, hold your thought, Robert. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. 
possibly time for you and your thoughts if you call in now, 855-450-FREE. In studio, it's Daryl. And it's Heather. And Chris. And when you do your online shopping, start at shop.freetalklive.com. From there, you can head to Amazon, Newegg, Walmart. There are other links as well. And once you go to shop.freetalklive.com, just bookmark the link that you're going to, and then you don't have to go back to shop.freetalklive.com. Just click the bookmark. And then the only difference in your shopping experience is that the merchant that you're using sends a little bit of money to Free Talk Live. Again, shop.freetalklive.com. We're talking about the Congressional Facial Recognition Database hearings, and we've got Robert on the line in Reno, Nevada. Robert, you're back on Free Talk Live. Go ahead with your thoughts. Hi, yes. I don't mean to negate... Oh, I'm sorry. I I don't know your name. Heather. Uh, uh, Ma'am. Heather, (laughs) hi. I don't mean to negate what you're saying, and I think that a lot of people have kind of given up the idea of privacy if you post on the web. But you have to remember the very basic elements of the Internet are telephonic communications, and those Mm -hmm. are protected by privacy under law. We can't simply just give them up because we expect, oh, the government's going to do it. Yeah, but I'm one of those people where I don't think people should, you know, the law, I say this in quotes here, is just like, going to give a false sense of security so I, that's my issue with it is I don't want people to think oh well because the law says this anything I say is going to be protected I'm just saying well, don't be naive about it you know and keep that in mind when entering things online this is something I wish the younger generations would be taught in schools because they have that naive judgment thinking that you know they can go online and post things to social media or whatever, keyword social, right? Like social, there's other people there that are seeing these things that then have that information, can do with it what they will. So I'm not saying we shouldn't have privacy to some degree. You know, I'm just saying that to assume that we do would be naive in thinking. Don't disagree with that last part. We do. I'm, I'm not assuming we do. I'm saying that we should fight and expect for that right to be private rather than expect it to be public. Because like, like you're saying, okay, let's say someone is young and naive and they're posting their stuff on a certain website. That is a privately owned website. Mm-hmm. And I don't agree with the fact that government has the ability to create laws for something like this, just as much as I don't agree that they should have a database. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like one one entity versus the other. Who are we going to give the the power to a, a private entity like Facebook or a, a so-called public entity like mm-hmm. the government that's supposed to be representing us, even though most of us probably wouldn't want this in the first place. It just right. seems like yeah. we, we're kind of forced you know, to pick one or the other, but yet the laws are there to protect us from the very thing that it seems like the government itself is doing now and that's where i think it's you know individual responsibility to know what you know which websites we're choosing to use which internet browsers which you know internet providers i mean some people use this tour thing when they go online some people it all it all goes over internet uh, tcpip it no matter what you use you're using the same protocols over the same uh backbone network Mm -hmm. and all of that protected under law for privacy 
and we shouldn't give that up. Under That's law, but law is just an illusion, well, in my yeah. opinion. And and if you're constitutionally minded, too, but they. Uh, under that reasoning, the government's an illusion, too. It's just that this illusion has guns. Exactly. Right. And the so law, we all to... know that the law protects government more than it does the people. So I, I think we can all be in agreement that yeah. the databases should not exist. Well, I mean, I don't think they should. Like, my thing is, is if I put something out there publicly. Not the question. If I voluntarily. That, that's not the question. I don't question. have an issue with Do you anybody. think the NSA and anybody else should maintain a database of social media posts and private communications and telephone calls and text messages and emails of U.S. citizens that have not been accused of a crime? Yes or no? That's a yes or no question. No, I mean, like... That's a yes or no question. No, I mean... What what like what do you mean databases though like database they have, like, should they store the, the very article that you're talking about has right. phone a, calls phone calls social media posts facial recognition pictures of people people that have never been accused of a crime should the federal government maintain those databases I mean I don't like think like the government itself is kind of like immoral right because it's based on theft and all this stuff but i'm saying that like if any other like private entity collected voluntarily given none of information, this is voluntary none no but i'm saying if if you if you go down and you know or if you go on facebook right and facebook sells some of your we're talking about facebook let's talk about my uh text messages using a secure messenger anything that you agree like if you use any type of internet or website or something like that and you agree to the terms and conditions of that thing and then that website gives your information that you agreed that they could give to somebody else for whatever purposes free game but i'm talking about my my uh secure Text messages I send from point A to point B, no, from phone one to point two. No, you agree that that information could be given by your phone provider to the government, then right. they, the government shouldn't have the right without a warrant to get that information from okay. your phone provider. Then what happens when all these social media companies go in bed with the government and do this anyway, even though they never say they're going to? Which well, that's deception and fraud. If you're exactly. not telling your consumer what you're doing, then that would be deception and fraud, which is immoral and unethical, in my opinion. Right. And now we're going back to but day one of the saying... Snowden releases and PRISM. That's what PRISM said, was unno- unknown to any user of social media. The federal government got it all, and they could catalog it, they could store it, and they could hold it over your head at any time they feel like it. And this brings me back to my initial statement that I will reiterate, these databases should not exist. The statement by the one congressman was, if the databases exist, then you should get a warrant, but nobody that I'm seeing here is saying the databases should not even exist. (laughs) Right. Do you want me to get back into my article? Uh, Robert, did you have any final thoughts? Uh, no, I, I'm, I'm sorry if I feel, if you feel like we, uh, no, I totally like get era. where it you're coming from. I, I totally think, do. I think it really comes down to the nitty gritty details of the technical stuff. And I think that's why we need to have more actual computer users in Congress rather than these mm-hmm. people that have no <laughs> idea how to double click. Yep. Robert, <laughs> yeah. thank, thank you. Call. Thank Thanks, you for Robert. the call. Yeah, let's uh, get back and hopefully finish this article. So it says the FBI has reciprocal agreements with 18 states giving it access to such local databases. And the agency has made it clear that it wants access to all of the rest. 
And it also has and it has also sought an exemption from federal privacy laws that give Americans the right to check the accuracy of information the government has compiled about them. Like many technologies used in the wrong hands or without appropriate parameters, it is ripe for abuse. The committee's chairman, Jason Chaffetz, our Republican from Utah, has said. It's always going to be in the wrong hands. Right. By definition. It would be one thing if facial recognition technology were perfect or near perfect, but it clearly is not. He said facial recognition technology does make mistakes. Now, internal FBI documents obtained in a Freedom of Information Act lawsuit by the nonprofit Electronic Privacy Information Center indicate that the FBI's own database called the Next Generation Identification Interstate Photo System, or NGI-IPS, had an acceptable margin of error of 20%. So that is a one in five chance of recognizing the wrong person. I don't know of anything that has an acceptable margin of error of 20%. Acceptable just shouldn't be in there. Public opinion polls generally are, you know, margin of error of three. Right. If it's outside of that, nobody takes that poll seriously. Well, last two paragraphs here I'll read real quick. And the research published in the October 2015 issue of the scientific journal Plus One by researchers at the universities of Sydney and New South Wales and Australia found that humans who interpret such data build in an extra margin of approaching 30%. (laughs) Alvaro Bedoya, executive director of the Center of Privacy and Technology at Georgetown University Law School, told lawmakers at a hearing Wednesday, we need to take a step back and ask, if this technology had been in place for the Boston Tea Party or the civil rights protests, what would have happened? A lot of uh, people being... Incorrectly accused of a lot of different crimes <laughs> and probably a lot more people uh, going to jail. Many of them who probably weren't even at any of the protests. And so moral of the story is expect everything to be in a database. So whatever you put out there, just know it's out there. And the moral so- of the story is none of these databases should exist. We'll be back but tomorrow, they do exist. always <laughs> online at freetalklive.com. Why did you move to the Shire? I moved here to the Shire because there's other people around who take liberty just as seriously as I do. I moved to the Shire because I saw videos of people challenging authority and thought that I could get support myself. It called to me, like, do this right now. I wanted to be around people like me who got it. And once I got here... I knew there was nowhere else that I wanted to be. I've always wanted to change the world. So I moved to the Shire to join people who were actually working towards doing the same thing. The people here are awesome, loving, and positive. It was for the adventure and for the feeling of something important is happening here. And I just wanted to come to sort of be part of that. Visit ShireSociety.com to read and sign the Shire Society Declaration and learn the reasons why, if you love liberty... You should immigrate to the Shire. Plus, add yourself to the Shire map at ShireSociety.com. That's ShireSociety.com.